0: Promotional consideration for Growing Greater Philadelphia, provided by the General Building Contractors Association. This is the Growing Greater Philadelphia podcast, bringing you more of the interviews and stories from the Growing Greater Philadelphia radio program. Now, here's Matt Cabri. So, folks, the growth in greater Philadelphia, as we're seeing not only in the 11-county neighborhood here in northern Delaware and southern New Jersey and southeastern Pennsylvania, but we're also seeing in other parts of the country and other parts of the world, really takes talented, dedicated, experienced leaders in the real estate space to help bring those projects from concept to reality and to represent the business leaders who are investing in this kind of infrastructure, we here in Greater Philadelphia are very fortunate to have one of the world's leading real estate professional firms in JLL. And we're really thrilled to welcome into Growing Greater Philadelphia, two representatives from JLL, Tony Giuliano, who is the Chief Operating Officer for JLL. Tony, it's great to have you. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. Absolutely. And also joining Tony is uh, Rob Fagarisi. Got it. Thanks, Rob. (laughs) Thanks for having us. Absolutely. We've been practicing how to say Rob's name. (laughs) So, Rob, thanks for taking time out to join us here. We really appreciate it. And um, Tony, I want to start with you because, you know, the, um, the space of real estate in general, and I think the phrase JLL and the signage that we see all over the greater Philadelphia region of JLL leads people to think that you're a real estate organization. And I know that's...
1: Accurate, but you're so much more than that. And I was hoping you could describe for us what is JLL? Sure. Well, commonly when I'm out at, say, a networking event or out just talking to friends or family, people in the industry, a lot of people have the misconception that JLL is an owner of real estate. Mm. We we have a division that invests in real estate and, and actually owns some of that. But for the most part, we're third-party advisors to both occupiers and landlords, or owners of buildings, on how to manage, how to lease space, how to sell their assets, how to better position their assets to be sold, and to work on projects. So we really run a pretty wide gamut of services. In addition, we have you know a research team that does consulting projects. Mm-hmm. We have a, a strategic consulting group out of Chicago that can come into our local markets and help our clients with you know, very unique needs that are maybe not necessarily transactionally based, but we're really just expert advisors to any kind of company, any kind of organization on their real estate.
0: That's great. And um, share with us a little bit more about what I would call the stats of JLL in Philadelphia, as well as globally. Sure.
1: I'll start globally. We are number 356 on the Fortune 500, which was announced as of May of this year. Wow. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. That's great. Yeah, it's great for the company. There's been a lot of acquisitions over the years of other companies and other services, but a lot of that's been organic growth within our firm, as our professionals are just hitting the sweet spot of their careers and really really ramping up their business. And 356 is impressive. Do you think most people would be surprised to hear that JLL is 356 on the Fortune 500 list? I think they would. I mean, we're, we're not a you know a consumer product based company. So you hear about the Apples and the Googles and the General Mills and those really big companies sure. that are way up at the top. And JLL is a, more of a professional services firm, typically in the, the B2B capacity. So I think people are oftentimes very surprised to hear that that we're that high on the list.
0: Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. And how about locally? You've been in greater Philadelphia now for how long and, and how much have you been growing? Because it feels like a lot. Yeah, we've grown rapidly in Philadelphia for sure. We gained a Philadelphia presence back in, I would say 2007, I believe it was. So about 11 years. Part of that was through a merger with the Staubach Company, which was a big national merger for JLL. Roger Staubach, who amazingly enough has had more success in real estate than he did on the football field. Or, right. or in the Navy, so that's, uh, that's pretty impressive. He built an unbelievable company, and he's still very involved with JLL today. But we started with a handful of brokers. I think we had leasing and property management. I believe that's all we had. We added a capital markets group that sells assets on behalf of owners and helps buyers purchase assets out in the marketplace, and we added uh, project and development services, or PDS, which is what Rob here is uh is heavily involved with. So we added a couple service lines. We've grown at least fivefold since the inception of JLL in Philadelphia, which I think is pretty incredible. Your growth has been incredible, and I really love
0: the robust portfolio of services that you provide that go really beyond what I think the average person, as I mentioned before, probably recognizes. They see a JLL sign on the side of the road representing a building, and they think, oh, real estate broker. Right. But you're clearly so much more than that.
1: Yeah, yeah, there's a lot more to it. And certainly... um, we have our revenue-producing service lines that I mentioned, but we have an entire organization locally around HR, finance, operations, research, marketing. So we've got a team of really great, capable people that you know are not only out there selling and advising on leases within real estate, but that are you know driving the day-to-day operation. And a lot of those people are not just purely behind the scenes. A lot of them step out in front of clients as well, even if they're not necessarily a commissioned type person. Right. And it's all
0: about servicing the client, making sure that they are getting what they need and helping to advise
1: them and guide them along their project. Exactly. It's client first. It's client first. Everything we do is to better our client's experience.
0: Yeah, that's great. And speaking of clients
1: first and speaking of
0: projects, let's bring into the conversation Rob for Garracy. Rob leads projects for JLL. And uh, there's a a special project you've been working on for the last, uh, what, couple months now or a couple years? Since
2: February, we got involved, but really, uh, you know, majority of this Year and, yep. and Wells Fargo Center. Okay. That's the revitalization. That's a, essentially a five-year uh, revitalization project um, that we're really excited about. We're lucky to be involved in that. It's a very prominent uh, project. Yeah. And facility in, in this town, so it's great. Yeah. So the Wells
0: Fargo Center has been around for about 25 years or so. And what's their focus now, and what's the role that JLL has in helping them to achieve their vision?
2: So we are uh, hired as uh, essentially owners reps and project managers. Mm-hmm. A number of years ago, they uh, they did a study because the building is uh, reaching its useful life. And so they did a study to say, you know, what does it take to build a new arena? And they found, uh, you know, in short that they were looking at about a billion dollars. And one of the key things that they found from that study is that the new arena that they would build is significantly similar from a structure and bones to their existing facility. Mm -hmm. So why build a new building and a new arena when maybe you can, you know, renovate something that's existing? And so, you know, they studied that and they determined that they could do some special things and revitalize the current Wells Fargo Center with significantly less dollars out of pocket and get them to the next 10, 15 years and then start to think about maybe a new arena. So they've done some work in the last couple of years. But realized that the next couple of summers are going to be really heavy uh, mm-hmm. with activity and costs and planning, and they needed help. So uh, we started talking with them earlier this year, and and it was a, almost an instant partnership. Really, kind of got each other, and we spent some time, uh, you know, talking over hockey games and dinners, yep. and uh, it really went well. So we just uh, kind of got shot out of a cannon, and we've been involved ever since.
0: That's great. I want to dive into a little bit more of that, and and as Rob mentioned, the Wells Fargo Center, you know, we say this in Greater Philadelphia kind of with ease, but for those who may not be familiar, the Wells Fargo Center is one of the premier sporting events and arenas in the country, and it's home to the Philadelphia 76ers and the Philadelphia Flyers and several other sporting events and teams operate out of uh, the Wells Fargo Center, and it's also the home for concerts and other kinds of special activities that gather down in the South Philadelphia sports complex. Rob, my question for you is, how did the team at the Wells Fargo Center stumble upon, if you will, the JLL team, or did you already have a relationship? Because again, I think most of us don't necessarily think of JLL as you know project leads for renovations of major initiatives like, like you're working on today.
2: Yeah, we did have uh, an existing relationship um, doing some other things. Uh, for Comcast Spectacor around the country, and when uh, there was, I guess, the desire, the need to bring in someone uh, as a consultant to help them with that, our name came up, and uh, you know, it was as easy as uh, getting some folks on a plane and meeting in South Philadelphia and sitting around a table and talking about how we could help them, and and we just kind of listened to understand what their needs were, and and like I said, it was uh, seemed to be a really uh, quick, easy fit for each other, and and uh, it just it grew very quickly they realized that they didn't have months to you know go through uh, a process of feeling good about it it was the, they either felt good about us or or they didn't and uh, shortly after that uh, initial meeting we just started getting involved and helping them out
0: it comes back to what it often does, which is relationships. And someone knows somebody has had an experience with somebody working on another project and say, let's call the team at JLL. So, and you mentioned Comcast Spectacor, which is the owner of the actual facility, which is really your client. Correct. Even though we often refer to it as the, the sponsor whose name is on the building, which is the Wells Fargo Center. That's right. Are you able to share with us, Rob, any of the nuances or intricacies, maybe some of the challenges that you weren't expecting or, um, you know, some of the things that you approach that actually went a little bit easier than expected when it comes to addressing a, a project like you are with an arena, the size and the scope of the Wells Fargo Center?
2: Yeah. For me, this is my first project uh, managing an entertainment venue or sports venue. And uh, I knew going into it that it was completely different than you know building a corporate headquarters out of the ground. It's a completely different animal. And so for me, my first two weeks I spent with my badge hanging from my belt walking every square inch of that place right. and, and just trying to understand and observe. I would attend events at night and, and just watch mm-hmm. how they operated and really just figure out a way to feel like i was part of the you know the Wells Fargo center right and kind of live in their space for a while but i think the biggest challenge for this project is the amount of work that has to happen in a short period of time the majority of the work has to happen between seasons mm. so what that means is we have a significant amount of work to be in place But we don't know when the project is going to start because we can't start until the season's end. So what that means in short is for this year coming up 2019, we're planning for, uh, you know, multimillion dollar revitalization and construction and design of work to be in place. But we don't know when that's going to start. So that means if both teams don't make the playoffs, we can start April 15th. Right. So the furthest out is if the Sixers go to game seven and it's a home game, we're starting June 15th. Right. So you're talking about let's just say fifty million dollars worth of work in place, and you have either five months or three months to do it, and you right. don't know today. We don't know how much time we have.
0: But yeah. So, that so that's a sense. that's a
2: big challenge, and it, yeah. and it's really all about you know the planning and logistics and knowing that it's the nature of the beast that it's what they do and we can't disrupt you know their operations
1: let's be clear that yeah. we're, we're still rooting for those teams to make the playoffs <laughs> and go the entire way <laughs> yeah that, that's Absolutely. right it messing up our schedules but yes
2: it certainly is bittersweet when you're watching a playoff game whether it's uh, you know the Flyers or, or the sixers and you know you have to get started yeah but as a hometown uh, four-sport Fan, yeah, I want them to win,
0: yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so totally. it's
2: it's pretty conflicting, but it's a it's certainly a lot of fun, yeah. and uh, you know, I will mention that you know the clients, our clients down there are. Are incredibly nice incredibly kind people and they're just a pleasure to work with and and that makes it a really fun you know their job is incredible just watching them do what they do between the events and concerts and the switchovers, it's just um, they have a challenge down there yeah and, uh, you know so, we really help them out in that way
0: I want to peel back the onion a little bit more on that because you mentioned events you. and concerts and, and other kinds of activities as well and share with us a little bit more about that. And I I really appreciated your analogy of, you know, becoming one with the building, essentially, when you accepted this project, which, by the way, is a really cool opportunity to grow professionally, it sounds like, and step outside your comfort zone and manage a project like this. But you were describing, you know, experiencing the building and how it transforms. And I was hoping you could share with us that process you went through, because you're right, there's, there's basketball, there's hockey, there's concerts, there's another concert, there's another sporting event, there may be another activity that we're not even aware of. And we as consumers, as fans, as spectators, we kind of take all that for granted. We just walk in and the arena is ready. But share with us a little bit more that day in the life, or I
2: should say that week in the life that you experienced. Sure. I mean, you know, they have some stretches where uh, it's just an incredibly fast pace. And uh, one of the most recent weeks was uh, Metallica on a Thursday night, a powerhouse concert on Friday night, a Saturday Flyers game in the afternoon, Saturday Sixers game at night, and another concert Sunday night. And all of that must go not well. It must go perfect from an operation standpoint. And, um, you know, to watch them do that, I I thought for me it was important to help to understand what they go through kind of day in the life, you know, live in their shoes for a while so that – You know, for me on a regular project, I always have my client's ear. Mm -hmm. On this one, I don't always have that. And I had the balance kind of recognizing that they've been up for four days and maybe they don't need to make that decision that I think is ultimately, you know, extremely important. Maybe it can wait a day. Right. And so I think you learn that by trying to live in their shoes a little bit. And, you know, the other thing is, you know, when, when we're going through, you know, design and engineering and, and we're we're doing things, the architects are, are designing things a certain way to help improve the fan experience. You know, I think you can only learn that by understanding that by standing in the space and watching, you know, when they're trying to design to alleviate pinch points in the concourse level. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, and this is all feedback from the, the fans. Right. So I stand in that space and I watch the pinch points and, and then I understand, you know, what the architects are trying to do and then I can come with some recommendations So I think it's important, you know, to do that.
0: Yeah. And are you able, Rob, to pull back the curtain at all on any of the potential amenities or solutions to the pinch points that you were referencing a moment ago that, you know, we as fans, as users of the facility may appreciate? Sure.
2: on the uh, upper level, the mezzanine level, what they were finding is that they when they start to put in some between the inner concessions and then some of the games and some of the uh, vending machines and dip and dot machines and so on. Mm-hmm. and then you have the stanchions for queuing in lines, you know, the fans didn't have a great experience there. So what uh, the architect realized is that you know some of these concessions have they have too much space. So what's the effect of pulling the front wall back? know three or four feet which makes a big difference mm-hmm. and so those are the t- kind of changes that you know fans don't really recognize you know what happened here they just know it's better and it's a more open inviting space it's brighter we opened up some of the uh, metal panels that face the city of Philadelphia right now they have these beautiful views uh, because we put glass exterior glass on the mezzanine and you can you know at, at night you see the skyline you see the ballpark and it just lets all that natural light in mm-hmm. so it really was about improving you know you know the fan experience and and i think it started by you know them asking and listening to some of the fans and making some of their suggestions so
0: i want to transition and pivot because yep. folks we're talking with rob figarisi who leads operations or i should say projects for the team at jll and he's specifically working on a really cool kind of special project down in south philadelphia part of the comcast Spectacor family it's the wells fargo center and also joining us we have tony giuliano who is the chief operating officer for JLL here in the greater Philadelphia market. And Tony, I wanna pull you back into the conversation because Rob's been describing what I would call kind of solutions. How do you walk through a property like the Wells Fargo Center and look through a critical lens and say, how do we make this better, not just for the user, but ultimately for our client? And it seems to be an expertise that the JLL team can provide, because I know, as we were talking about before, there's a lot more. You you guys find space, you manage properties and portfolios, you deliver on projects like Rob was describing, you invest in real estate, as you were mentioning before, and technology is a part of this as well, both in your own shop and for your clients. And I was hoping you could expand on those kinds of services and solutions, really.
1: Sure, absolutely. So Rob mentioned a critical word earlier in partnership. And- You know, we're service providers, we're paid by our clients to deliver, but we don't do that without getting completely ingrained Mm -hmm. in their business. From a strategic standpoint, from a day-to-day standpoint, we have to live with them, next to them, in in all elements of their business. And a lot of times that's sitting down there and understanding what their core business is. Just because Mm -hmm. we're doing a real estate deal on their behalf, we want to understand Okay, what industry are they in? What specific service did they provide? How does that impact the space they need and utilize on a day-to-day basis with their employees? So we really try to become partners with our clients as closely as we possibly can so that we can deliver the best results for them. And we do that in a lot of different ways, not just in projects, but in transactions work, in property management, and when we're positioning an asset to be sold. hmm And that's really the distinguishing characteristic, it sounds
0: like, that the JLL team stands out from some of your peers in the industry.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, when I started with JLL, I started on a corporate account where I was embedded with the client every single day to the point where I think probably some people didn't know whether I worked for the client I was providing service for or JLL. Right. And that's intentional. You know, we we want that because we want to, you know, forge a united front with our clients so that we can give them, you know, the absolute best advice. That makes sense. Are there other projects that your team is working
0: on in Greater Philadelphia that you want to reference or that that really stand out as a uh, distinguishing characteristic for the JLL team?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a million different projects going on at one time, but I think you know mentioning some of the key clients in in our region and and the work we do for them, University of Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. When you add up all the different services and all the uh, you know square footage we manage and transactions we work on their behalf they're actually our I think our largest Philadelphia based client right now so it's great to have a relationship with a very recognizable name and, you know, the paramount of education in uh, Philadelphia area in, in Penn, despite my Villanova background, which, you know, I love too. But. That's right. But I would add to, <laughs> and I, I totally
0: appreciate where you're coming from on all of those fronts, but I would also add to the fact that, yes, the University of Pennsylvania is the premier education institution, one of many in the greater Philadelphia region, along with Drexel and Temple and, and Villanova and, and Rowan and many others. However, they are also constantly building. As many of our universities are, you know, the growth that we're seeing along Route 30 in, in Villanova across from the main Villanova campus is really inspiring. But when you were referencing specifically the University of Pennsylvania, the growth of not just the real estate and the educational endeavors, it's ingraining around innovators and yep. entrepreneurs and that ecosystem they're building with the Pennovation Works campus and and how they're reimagining some of the industrial land assets along 34th and Grace Ferry that I suspect you guys were part of the advisory group to help them think that through.
1: Yep, absolutely. And Pennovation, we manage from a property management standpoint. Oh, excellent. I was able to get a tour of that back in the spring, and it's just unbelievable. You see there's all these different robotics projects going on inside that building there's a bunch of different you know small tech startup companies that take space in there and it's just it's basically a think tank yeah. for you know future technologies that are going to change the world and yeah. it's, it's right in our backyard totally. and we get a chance to manage that facility to make sure it's up and running they have we walked through. or The lead engineer took us through the the roof and showed us all the different HVAC systems that are necessary for that building, right. with the different tech spaces they have. And it's just, I mean, it's stuff that's beyond my capacity, of being a, a, an operational type guy. But uh, to see that in practice and to know that we're again yeah. a key partner for Penn in making that happen, yeah, uh, it, it's pretty incredible. And that- we're helping helping them lead the way from a technology standpoint. I couldn't agree with you more and
0: I don't want folks to get scared when Tony starts using phrases like HVAC systems because they are actually really crucial and I'll tell you where I'm going with this is you're right Penn is creating an environment to take ideas from concept to reality and that's how I best describe the work that's happening at Pennovation but I know that there's a a plan on the drawing board for a new 70,000 square foot wet lab facility on the campus of Pennovation Works and that's That needs really customized HVAC, frankly, that, again, it's something we take for granted because it's behind the walls or on the roof, and the average user doesn't really think about the ventilation system. But when we're talking about how to manage the flow of an environment that's dealing with high-tech in the life sciences or other kinds of drone technology and engineering space, it really matters. And it's great to know that the JLL team has that level of advisory services that you can provide as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's key to delivering that project and making it work and and having Penn realize the full value of what it's going to be. And that's, like everything else, that's not necessarily their core competency. So they need... A provider like a JLL to come in and sort of guide them through that process. Once again, we need to understand their core competency so we can deliver what they want. It's not just a one-sided situation where it's like go do this and let us know when it's done. Right, doesn't work that way. Yeah, right, yeah. right. I can imagine. So, folks, we're going to pivot a little bit, but we're
0: talking with um, a couple colleagues from JLL here in the Greater Philadelphia region. With us is the Chief Operating Officer. His name is Tony Giuliano, and we're also joined by Rob. Vigarasi, who leads projects for JLL. And the pivot I want to make is uh, what makes Greater Philadelphia so special? And, um, Tony, I'm going to start with you because I know you were really born and raised in the southern New Jersey neighborhood of our Greater Philadelphia region down at the uh, Jersey Shore area of Atlantic City, and I think it was Northfield. Correct. Now make your home in, in southern New Jersey in Medford. What makes Greater Philadelphia such a special place from your view?
1: So I've I've seen it evolve – I would say, from about the year 2000, which is when I started at Villanova. Obviously, living only 60 miles away growing up, I still had a good sense of the city. It would come up, you know, four games at the, well, it was the Spectrum at the time, and then later the Core State Center, First Union Center, Wachovia Center, then Wells Fargo Center. But uh, I think really seeing it from the time I was in college and finishing college to what it is now, Is the major transformation from call it two thousand three or four to today, where you saw a massive influx of millennials into town. Yeah, you saw Center City become this town that typically slowed down a lot right around five thirty or six o'clock when the workday let out. It's now a very vibrant downtown, yeah, all hours of the night with millennials and empty nesters even that have moved into town and want to enjoy it, but really. I think what makes it special is the diversity from not only a demographic standpoint, but from the economy. Philadelphia doesn't rely on one thing. We're not Detroit that relies on the auto industry. It's ads and meds, it's financial services, it's entertainment, and all of it keeps growing, but it's growing together to where one specific industry is not dominating the landscape. And that kind of, I think, creates a better experience for everybody in greater Philadelphia, both the center city and the suburbs, in getting a, you know, a wide variety of experiences from arts and entertainment to a financial district. It's it's just all comes together very nicely.
0: Yeah. I really love how you're positioning that actually, Tony, because what I'm hearing is it's diversity and it's diversity across industry sectors, across age and generational things and diversity of kind of things to do and how greater Philadelphia is evolving. To your point, you know, back in the 60s, 70s and 80s, Center City, Philadelphia kind of closed down and now it never goes to sleep. It's really amazing. And part of that is the real estate play of these older buildings that were offices letting out. And at 5 p.m., everybody, as you pointed out a moment ago, would head out of town. And now these office facilities are being transformed into homes and it's where people live. And their restaurants are on the ground floor, and and other kinds of shops are fueling that kind of growth. So people are staying in in Center City, Philadelphia. But in fairness, we're also seeing it across the greater Philadelphia region. We're seeing it in northern Delaware and Wilmington going through a resurrection. Camden, for sure, is on a tipping point. It's a really compelling component. And Rob, I want to turn to you with a similar question, because I know you're native to Bucks County and now live in Montgomery County, so you're seeing lots of great growth out there, I suspect, as well. And I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, I bet you remember when the Spectrum was built.
2: Yeah, that's right. I mean, <laughs> uh, I will tell the story of, uh, you know, one of my favorite hockey games was a, uh, a Flyers-Rangers- playoff game uh, sat with my wife uh, I could probably uh, I remember this almost the row that we were in and it was such an exciting game and uh, so yeah I'm, I'm certainly ingrained here in, in, yeah. in this city and it's wonderful to see how it's changed I also tell the story of uh, some of the younger uh, folks that work with us that married 25 years and when my wife and I would come into the city from the western suburbs mm-hmm. we would actually go to a restaurant off of spring Garden. Right. Right. That was our trip into the city. Yeah. And now, you know, we're coming into Center City proper and, and yeah. there's countless restaurants and, and and things to do here. So I think it's a really great time to kind of grow up in this area and see how it's evolved. And it's just a fun city. Yeah. I, I mean, I live in the Western Burbs and I'll be in the city Saturday and Sunday this weekend. Right. right?
1: Yeah. That says something. Seriously. Yeah. There's a lot of options. Yeah. Yeah. And I have family still down in the Atlantic City area. And, you know, my, my dad keeps talking about when are we going to buy that apartment? together in center city philly is a place for to hang out for him and 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 my stepmother and my brother and myself to have a place to drop in when uh, we don't feel like making the commutes back to the the suburbs so it's it's incredibly exciting and uh the f&b scene too the food and beverage scene that, that rob mentioned i mean per capita i think our restaurant scene rivals if not exceeds new york city yeah, for sure. I mean it's it's unbelievable.
0: That's right. You know, one of my favorite fun facts is in 2017 we had 3 James Beard award winners and last year we had one. But to have 3 in the same year is I think unprecedented. I don't think any other yeah, city had 3 James Beard award winners, you know, it's a restaurant ranking and a chef ranking. I want to get a little bit more granular and Rob, I want to take it back to your example of how Philadelphia has evolved but from a professional perspective. What do you communicate with folks who when they learn you're from greater Philadelphia and you live and work here every day, what do you share with them about why this is such a great place to establish and grow a business?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's kind of cliche-ish, but, you know, this is a very hardworking, loyal town. But I think it, for me, what I've learned is that it's really very, very loyal. You know, we're constantly getting calls from, you know, existing clients or clients that we've done work with, Ten years ago. Right. And uh, they'll call and say, hey, you know, I have a a project I need help with, and I need you to help us with it. Yeah. It's not a call – always saying, hey, I need you to bid on something or give us a proposal. It's, hey, I need your help. Yeah, And that happens quite often you know, in this city, and it speaks volumes for, for what's happening in this town and for the work that we've done uh, for our clients.
0: Totally. I couldn't agree anymore, especially in the work that we do at Select Greater Philadelphia. We're getting calls from around the country and around the world because there's something special that's happening here, and people want to know, what is it? What's that secret formula that is kind of... Emanating out of uh, the Greater Philadelphia neighborhood, and I suspect in the type of work that you and Tony are doing, and the full team at JLL are doing, you're getting those kinds of calls from clients around the world as well, saying, "Hey, tell me more about what's going on in Greater Philadelphia. There's something special
1: popping there, right?" Yeah, I'm looking right here at one of our research publications. Uh, Lauren Gilchrist. our had a research which the fabulous you may have Lauren heard of. Gilchrist. She's yeah. just unbelievable. I can't believe she still works with us and hasn't <laughs> left us behind for bigger and better things by now, but. We're happy to have her. But uh, Philadelphia added 135,000 millennials age 18 to 34 from 2005 to 2015. Yeah. Yeah. And that is the fastest growth of the 10 largest cities in the United States. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, to me, that alone is incredible. Yeah. And there's as good stats on... baby boomers or empty nesters that are coming back into the city, too. Yeah, totally. That, too, is one of my favorite fun facts, the fact that
0: the city of Philadelphia has the fastest-growing millennial population. And I I just want to, for the engagement of our audience, because I get this question a lot, and I want to be proactive in addressing it, it's the why. Why are we the fastest-growing city for millennials? And the answer, from my view, is opportunity and affordability. Young people know they can establish and grow their career here, and they know that it's much more affordable than other parts of the country, especially some of the peer cities or competitive cities like a San Francisco or a Boston or Chicago or a Washington, D.C. or a New York City, which are 20, 23, 26%, 27% higher in terms of cost of living and cost of doing business. So let's get smart about how we're establishing and growing our career, and let's do it In Greater Philadelphia, and and that's really key for I think why millennials are calling this
2: community their home. Yeah, there's certainly a sense of community, and why are they uh, coming into the city? They want to have fun, right? So if they can afford it, and you know there's there's places to work and play, Mm -hmm. they're going to come into the city. And you know we just hired an incredibly talented uh, young professional, and uh, one of the first things that she did after she accepted the position was found an apartment in the city. Yeah. She was so excited uh, just to do that, to be part of what's happening in in Center City, Philadelphia, and the surrounding suburbs.
1: That's really great. There's a reason to stay now. Whereas early 2000s, it was still very much come to Philadelphia to get your world-class education and then go back to where you came from. Yeah. You know, that was the mindset. It's like, okay. I mean, going to Villanova, we had a really large contingent from uh, northern New Jersey, New York area, Mm -hmm. Connecticut, and they'd come in, and they'd get their education, and they'd have fun, and they would go home. Right. It was an it was an afterthought to stay around the Philadelphia area, right? And now it's very appealing because, to your point, Matt, they go back to New York City or the suburbs of North Jersey or Connecticut. They're paying an incredible amount more in the cost of living than they are in Philadelphia, and we still have room before we get to that tipping point of when we become that expensive or too expensive. We have a lot of room. Yeah, we do. We've got we a do. lot of room in the, in the office segment, too, from mm-hmm. a, an office rent standpoint. Yeah. I mean, our rents are starting to hit full sur- on a full-service gross basis, which for, you know, listening population that might not know a lot about this is basically all-inclusive of your not only your rent, but your operating expenses and utilities. And some high-level assets in the city you're hitting that $40 mark, which is kind of a first for Philadelphia, but mm-hmm. you're comparing it to New York City, well over a hundred right. in a lot of areas. And, and DC, that is you know more than double what we're charging. So there's still a lot of room for growth in not only the residential segment, but in the office segment, which means more jobs, yeah. which means even a greater influx of, of population. That's totally right. And folks, that's uh, Tony Giuliano. He's the chief operating officer
0: for the greater Philadelphia region of JLL. And um, what's great about Tony, what you were just describing is it's why businesses are choosing to establish and grow their operations in this 11 county neighborhood of northern Delaware and southern New Jersey and southeastern Pennsylvania than going to somewhere else in the country, which are equally nice places, but they're just not as great as greater Philadelphia, frankly.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And you still have such great connectivity. From the Philadelphia area, from Southern New Jersey, Center City, the PA burbs, to get to DC, yeah. to get to New York. That's right. You know, and and a great airport that's getting better and better. They keep investing in the airport. That's right. Which uh, you know only helps helps the area become more populated and, and more energetic because you, when you have to get other places, you can do that. Yeah, totally. That that access and proximity is right. really special. I mean, I don't and, understand why you really have to leave greater Philadelphia, yeah. but if you occasionally have to, I guess yeah. it's okay. Yeah, as long as you come <laughs> home. Come on back. That's right, that's right. So I want to build on
0: something that uh, our other guest, uh, Rob Fogarisi, was sharing with us. And you know, I mentioned it's about opportunity and it's about affordability, but I loved how Rob added in there, it's fun. They're looking for fun things to do. So folks, we've been talking with Rob Figarisi, who's Vice President of Projects at JLL, along with his colleague, Tony Giuliano, who is the Chief Operating Officer for JLL here in Greater Philadelphia as well. Tony and Rob, I really want to thank you guys for taking time out and being part of our radio and podcast program, Growing Greater Philadelphia. Thank you very much, Matt. We appreciate you having us. Yeah, thank you. It's great. Hey, this segment of Growing Greater Philadelphia is brought to us by Independence Blue Cross. They're a proud sponsor of Select Greater Philadelphia. Independence Blue Cross is the largest health insurer of the Philadelphia region, serving more than 2.5 million people locally and 8.5 million people in 23 states and Washington, D.C., You can learn more about Independence Blue Cross at ibx.com. Check out all of our podcasts and tune in Friday mornings, 5 a.m. on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Thanks so much for listening to Growing Greater Philadelphia.